0: This is the Daily Signal podcast for Wednesday, June seventh. I'm Samantha Sherris. Tyler O'Neill sat down with Luke Moon, deputy director of the Philos Project, to discuss the Philos Action League's innovative strategy to combat anti-Semitism. Moon said the greatest contributing factor to growing anti-Semitism is not being familiar with the Bible. We'll get to Tyler's conversation right after this.
1: Are you looking for an easy and entertaining way to keep up with the news you care about? The Daily Signal and Heritage Foundation YouTube
0: channels offer interviews with policy experts on the most critical issues and debates America
1: is facing today, as well as short explainer videos that break down complex issues and documentaries that dive deep into the ways policy actually impacts people. Go ahead and subscribe to both the Daily Signal and Heritage Foundation YouTube channels today. You can search for either on your YouTube app or visit youtube.com slash foundation and youtube.com slash Daily Signal.
0: This is Tyler O'Neill, a managing editor at the Daily Signal, and I'm honored to be joined by Luke Moon, a deputy director at the Philos Project. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. It's wonderful. So you're you were talking to me about the Philos Action League, uh, this part of this project of the Philos Project, that's really focused on combating anti-Semitism. Can you share more about it?
1: Yeah. So over a year ago, we started the Feelis Action League. Basically, it was to mobilize Christians. Anytime there's an anti-Semitic incident anywhere in the country, a Christian will show up with a bouquet of white roses and a card saying, we stand in friendship and solidarity with you. And the idea was like, I was tired of the social media kind of activism. It was like, let's get people to actually show up and do something physical. And when we do that, it just makes such a big difference, right? It actually gives you something to talk about on social media, because but it's very Physical, and I think that that matters so much today.
0: Yeah, no, it really does. And recently, you had a, a situation where the, a neo-Nazi group was gathering, and you organized a counter-protest, and then they they pulled out.
1: Yeah, it was great. The uh, National Socialist Movement, which is a Nazi and neo-Nazi organization, they had planned to protest uh, Sheriff Chitwood of Volusia County, Florida. And so we heard about it. And we organized a counter protest in which we were able to get over 65 people, mostly mostly conservative, uh, Jews and Christians, to uh, man the barricade and stand in opposition to the neo-Nazis and uh, the cowards. They never showed up. It was great.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no. I mean, that's that's encouraging to hear because oftentimes you hear from the left this threat of anti-Semitism and hate from the right, and they act as though you know there's a Klan hood under every Republicans in every Republican's closet. And um, how would you respond to that kind of rhetoric?
1: Well, the the, the problem is there there is voices on the far right. That are behaving in a manner that is inappropriate of the right, I would say, and I think it's important for us to call that out. I think it's important for us to draw a clear line between those who are, who are using uh, anti-Semitism, any kind of like xenophobia, any kind of like proper old-school racism, is inappropriate for anybody on the right, and so my goal is to is to really draw a a bright line between what I would call the good right and the bad right. And the problem is, is that the bad right is using and exploiting the issues that are major issues that the, that the right sees are problematic and blaming the Jews for those. And that's a real problem. That's why I wanna make sure that we're clear to everybody out there. I'm a man of the right and I am leading one of the most powerful movements against antisemitism that exists in the country.
0: And you talk about, you know, there's, there is anti-Semitism on the right and it needs to be combated, but there's also anti-Semitism on the left. What does that look like?
1: Well, it manifests itself a little bit differently. So I, I just say anti-Semitism on the left is I love Jews and hate Israel, and on the right it's I love Israel and hate Jews. And it it really actually plays out a lot like that because, for instance, the same month last August that that uh, Kanye came out and said all his anti-Semitic statements on like, you know, Alex Jones show and stuff like that, that same month, uh, Berkeley, California, the university passed, or the student body passed a bunch of uh, initiatives where they were like, we're not going to allow any Zionist speaker to speak to our group. All the, you know, student associations were like, we don't allow Zionists, right? And it was, you know, so we're busy calling out the anti-Semitism of UC Berkeley, and then Kanye came on the scene, and then everybody got focused on Kanye. But it was, it really kind of Uh, highlighted that issue in that month of August of the problem of the right and the problem of the left.
0: Well, I think we saw, uh, and I don't know if you can speak to this or not, because she is an elected official, but uh, Ilhan Omar having an event in Congress to lament the 75th anniversary of Israel
1: yeah i mean it's it is again her her constituency are largely uh, muslims or palestinians and she is responding to their desires but the the issue of what it's called nakba catastrophe of of basically the arab armies losing to this fledgling Israeli force that was, you know, they just had endured the Holocaust. They had their backs against the wall. And, you know, the Jordanian soldier you know, his wife and kids were were in uh, Amman, right? He wasn't, he hadn't had the same existential crisis that the Jews faced that day. And so, yes, it was a catastrophe for the Palestinians that their armies lost. But to to celebrate that, it's a little weird. To, like, intentionally antagonize Jews is also weird. I mean, it's not, I, I don't think it's very... Positive view of uh, society when you're celebrating the, the 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 destruction of the Jewish people or the or the attempted destruction of the Jewish people—that's a problem. Yeah,
0: and I've been hearing a lot of reports saying that in election years attacks on Jews ramp up, that hate crimes increase, that various things like that are going on. Would you say that that tracks with your monitoring of anti-Semitism?
1: Well it's going to it's on the rise in general. It's on the rise because we as an American society are becoming less biblically literate, less connected to the Bible. You find that, you know, people who are biblically literate tend to have a more positive view of Jews and Israel. And as a result, like that as that declines, so does any kind of affinity, any kind of knowledge. And so it's very easy for those tropes, the um, the scapegoating of the Jewish people to begin to kind of rise. And that's what you see, you know, groups like the Goem Defense League taking advantage of when they, go, when they go after Jews, is they're like, you know, here's the 12 Jews that are wanting to take away your guns, right? So they're using issues that the Reich is very concerned about, and weaponizing them against Jews. And I think that's, that's really what we're going to see an increase of. And again, one of those things I'm fighting very hard to highlight the difference between the good right and the bad right.
0: Yeah, and I think of you know the Southern Poverty Law Center. It recently had a report, <laughs> a very outdated report from what I understand, when you look at the actual state of um, traditional Catholicism in the U.S., but they had, you know, radical traditional Catholic hate groups, and the FBI was citing this report. And the report essentially boils down to these groups are anti-Semitic. Have you seen a lot of radical traditional Catholic um, anti-Semitism?
1: It's not very common, but there again, it does exist. You have guys like Nick Fuentes, who has you know come out pretty aggressively against Jews. He's very, I mean, he, he just I, I, I remember watching a video of him, you know, yelling at uh, Ben Shapiro when he was walking with his wife and kids across a parking lot and like just saying the most foul things, and he identifies as a Catholic. I don't think he's a faithful one, but, you know, that's, that's me. But one of the things that we're doing is we have a whole arm of the Fields Project called Fields Catholic. And this fall, we will have uh, a conference on Catholics against anti-Semitism. So we're actually going to raise that issue within the Catholic community, have a conference, get people, people are going to sign on to our statement, and it's, it's from the Catholic right. And they're, again, creating that nice, bright line between the good right and the bad right because there's a majority of, of conservative Catholics, traditional Catholics, they have nothing against the Jews, right? Like the Nostra Aetate settled that for, for them, which was, the, which was the papal decree that, you know, we, we can't blame the Jews for killing Christ. Like that kind of, the deicide argument was taken off the table. And for traditional Catholics, to say, oh no, we're going to hold on to that. They're actually going against papal authority, and my understanding of Catholic tradition is that's uh, wrong. <laughs> yes, um, and
0: <laughs> generally speaking, yes. <laughs> that, that's interesting because I'd always thought, you know, being growing up Protestant, but also in High Church circles, that you know we all, as a church, repeated you know, that, those horrible words in the passion narrative where we say, you know, crucify him, crucify him. The implication is we all are implicated in the death of God. It's not, you know, it's not like singled out Jews. This is something that we all must lament because we all share in the sin that led Jesus to the cross.
1: Absolutely, and actually, I I was just teaching a group last week on the history of Christian anti-Semitism, and it was actually before Christ was born that the Romans took away capital punishment from the Jews. It took it. It was a. It was a law. They just, you know, it was part of the taking on the authority of Rome over a, a province. Was it took away the ability of of the you know I don't conquered people to be able to like exact capital punishment and so explicitly wasn't the Jews alone and it was the Romans actually you know pulled the trigger and and so regardless of whether it was the Jews or Gentiles all of us uh, participated uh, through you know, our sin of the killing of Christ. And all of us then need the saving grace of Jesus Christ in order to be redeemed.
0: So how important is it for Christians to stand up against anti-Semitism?
1: Well, I, I actually, I, I define anti-Semitism as an irrational hatred of the Jewish people rooted in the fact that the people by which God brought his moral revelation into this world, and the world hates them for it. And the degree to which Christians are hated, we're hated because we're actually affirming that same law. And, you know, there's a verse in Romans that says, you know, uh, you don't sustain the root, the root sustains you. And I think having drawing on that understanding of the hebraic roots of our faith um, not only should shape shapes our christian faith but also shapes our understanding of western civilization because it was and particularly as a as a protestant i'm protestant as well the the reformation was a direct result of people reading the bible for the first time with their own eyes reading the development of the hebrew nation and beginning to articulate the principles that they found there and and that was significant in shaping western political thought and all that is somehow lost it's now coming back to the forefront but i think it serves christians well to Understand the, that we stand on the shoulder of giants and those giants are the patriarchs. Yeah, well, are there any other in,
0: impressive, you know, interesting things that Phylos is working on that you'd like to share?
1: Well, also uh, working on a big project with Armenia, uh, it's a very interesting uh, country obviously the you know the word genocide was was coined because of the genocide against the Armenian people and they they were the first Christian nation the first nation that as an as a people adopted Christianity. But, you know, I was, I was talking recently in a, in a, to a group and I was like, well, what's the, how does the Armenian story fit into the, I don't know, the meta narrative of, of Christianity. And, uh, you know, like in an, in almost like an Offhand remark, Robert Nicholson, who's the executive executive director of the Fields Project, says, "Well, you know, Noah's Ark was landed there," and I'm like, "Well, that's kind of important. <laughs> like, like, we should lead with Noah's Ark is Armenian, right? Like, because, it, you know, to the degree to which, um, you know, there's the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the patriarchs, the the line that we follow." that developed the Israeli people, the Jewish people that continues to this day, really the the Armenians kind of almost represent the nations, everybody else. You know, the Bible kind of define, divides things that way. You get the, the the Jews and then everybody else. And I think, you know, Armenians represent that everybody else in the, the meta-narrative of our faith. And by, I think, Articulating and highlighting the importance of that people as a particularly representative people, I think, is important for us.
0: Well, and from what I understand, there's a particular community in Armenia that's being cut off by Azerbaijan.
1: Yeah, the the Artsakh, which is this like little, I don't know, appendage almost. It's connected with Armenia by by a very narrow co- uh, corridor. Armenians in the mountains, so you have a lot of mountains and valleys kind of things going on, uh, and uh, Azerbaijan basically just cut it off, uh, not allowing fuel, not allowing food. Um, it really has a stranglehold on the the hundreds of thousands of Christians that are that are living there, and you know, I don't want to overstate the the kind of Muslim-Christian element to this, but it does matter that Azerbaijan is a Muslim country. Uh, Turkey, which also borders uh, Armenia, is is also a Muslim country. And uh, they have an antagonistic relationship against Christians, not only in Turkey and Azerbaijan, but around the region.
0: Yeah, and from what I understand, uh, Philos is planning to do something on it. it. Understand if you can't share with me what that is yet, but...
1: Yeah, we, well, we have a trip coming up uh, actually later, uh, or actually not later, but next month in, in June, uh, just really a fact-finding trip. One of the things that we, we love to do is just bring people to a place and say, let you see for yourself. We, we're not prescriptive about, you know, the policy applications afterwards, uh, but more understanding that we bring smart people to these places uh, and give them a variety of views that they will walk away with a better understanding and then also be able to articulate their own, uh, positions.
0: And who is going on this trip? Is that something you can share?
1: Yeah. Uh, basically, uh, govern- uh Ambassador Brownback is going on the trip. Several leaders from there's Catholic leaders, leaders of organizations, uh, major ones in Washington, DC. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a it's a good trip it's a good number of people
0: yeah well i'd be very curious to see what comes out of that
1: Trip. you and me both (laughs) you and me both all right
0: well thank you so much for joining me luke is there anything else you'd like to add where can people find the feelos project and plug into your important work
1: yeah, we, uh, like everybody else, have a website, and uh, it's philosproject.org. Philos is spelled P-H-I-L-O-S. Philos means friend in Greek. Our goal is to just basically be uh, promote positive Christian engagement in the Near East, and that means identifying your friends and affirming them and doing stuff with them to show that you're a friend, physically show that you're a friend.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Luke.
1: I appreciate the time.
0: And that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you for listening to The Daily Signal's interview edition. Make sure you subscribe to The Daily Signal wherever you get your podcasts and help us reach even more listeners by leaving a five-star rating and review. We read and appreciate all of your feedback. Thanks again for listening. Have a great Wednesday and we'll be back with you all this afternoon for top news.